1: board gamers anonymous the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together this is chris and this is anthony and this is episode 366 from book to board the batman we'd like to thank all of our patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode all right anthony we are back and of
0: course as always we're talking about the batman the Batman, yes, because it's it's been three years, so there must be more Batman.
1: He's grittier than ever before.
0: Well, I'm really excited to see it, but at the same time, I might be getting tired of gritty Batman. I don't know. Oh, no. Wait, what about the voice? Can we keep the voice? Oh, that is the worst part of the Batman. Get rid of the voice.
1: I think when we started wearing the masks for the pandemic, I was doing the Bane voice the entire time. You know, No one cared who I was until I wore the mask. and was like... All right, I need to stop doing that now. You know, 3 <laughs> years in, it was it was fun for like the first, you know, I don't know, 3-4 days and then then it just got too lame. Are but... like, why are
0: you quoting this mediocre movie from 10 <laughs> years ago? <laughs> just, yeah.
1: Look, I'm trying to deal with the emotional upheaval of the world. So, yes, let me let me have my little voice. Let me have that. So, <laughs> but yes, we are talking about Batman and all of the great Batman games out there. I don't know if you know this, but Anthony there have been board games made about the Batman. I know.
0: I made a list.
1: <laughs> like you needed to make a list. Like, like your home is not a, I, I don't know, menagerie of, of all the Batman
0: stuff. I love Batman. It's probably my favorite comic book hero. But I have surprisingly few of these games. I was surprised when I went through the list. Okay. Uh, but it's some good stuff in here. It'll be fun to talk about.
1: Probably by the end of the episode, Anthony will buy all of the other Batman games. So we'll see if he can hold on because, yes, there'll there'll be a lot of Batman games here and not just the massive miniature games. There's actually a lot of really cool Batman games out there. So whether you're a big Batman fan or you just like great board games, this is probably going to be the best episode for you because the Batman is coming out to theaters. A lot of people are already talking about Batman and it's a good time to get a good game to the table. All right, everyone. So with that said, Anthony, let's talk about what our listeners are talking about. Everyone in Gotham City out there, what's your question of the week?
0: All right, question of the week this week in honor of my acquisition disorder, which we're going to talk about in a minute. What's the next game for which you'd like to see a massive, overpriced collector's or definitive edition? So this has become the modus operandi of most of the board game industry. Take the old stuff, repackage it, add one small expansion, and charge $150. So... What would you like to spend $150 on everybody? Uh John says the Castles of Burgundy. It'd be nice to get a version to the table that actually looks good. Uh that one I feel like that one's been on everyone's list for 10 years now.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, look look what they did with Catan. That came out and it was like $300 oh and now God. it's like 150, 120. I'm like someone made a problem, <laughs> you know, with the marketing
0: yeah. and the pricing of that game. You know, the thing about that, though, is as soon as it goes out of print, it's going to become a Grail game. It's going to cost 600 bucks. That's what happened with the Ticket to Ride Anniversary Edition. That's true. They were saturated everywhere, and as soon as it went out of print, it doubled in price. I don't like that. I don't like any part of that. No, it's terrible. <laughs> this is, like, one of the worst parts of our hobby. Um, Jeffrey says, food chain magnet with Eon Tool artwork, resin tokens, oh, wow. and thick map tiles. I would love that. And it doesn't seem so far off. Like, before, if someone had said... A collector's edition of a splatter game. I'm like, it's not going to happen. But they did let Capstone do Bus. And yes, the new version of Bus is very pretty. It compared is compared to all of their other games. <laughs> yes, yeah, give me Food chain magnet.
1: Yeah, the the I, I really like the what was it the 1950s artwork on the menu mm. and everything. I mean, I love that part. You don't expect that from splatter. So if they could do something with the board and the pieces, that would be appreciated.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have a bunch of upgraded bits for it but the board is the board and it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, Roman says war of the ring, second edition after the next expansion comes out. You know what? Honestly, I would take whatever they do at this point. I'm hoping they release like another anniversary edition. Cause now we're at the 10th anniversary. Last time they did, it was the fifth anniversary or I guess it was the 10th or the first edition. I don't know, but give me all the big blingy stuff and I will find a way to pay for it again. If it has all the expansions in it, all the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Iger's mentions Nations, such an underrated game. Uh, Nations is one of my favorite games of all time and didn't do as well as it could have because it was a, it was a coffin box and it didn't have a ton of stuff in there except the cards. And it costed $100 when it first came out. Um, you could eventually get it for like 40 something with the markdown, but mm-hmm. if they did like a full, like redo all the art. Well, I don't even know if you need to redo the artwork. The artwork's good, but like more components, build it out, put those mats on like, Chipboard because they're like yeah cardstock mm-hmm. um and give us i mean they would probably still charge a hundred dollars but make it nice <laughs> i would buy that <laughs> um and then charlie mentions it wouldn't be surprised if Stonemire did one for viticulture especially with this new expansion coming out soon um but whatever they do i'd go for it uh it was one of the first games you bought not sure if i need a giant box though and then we all know wingspan will get one eventually
1: yeah, I, I actually don't think Wingspan's going to get one. You think, I mean, after their just massive multi production, I mean, we haven't seen Stegmeier take his games and like upgrade them. We've seen the Essential Edition for Viticulture. So I don't know. I guess maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're, it's such a massive game that at some point they're just like, hey, you know what? More money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Like they did the like legendary box, but that was just a box sure like that's all it had was a box and some tuck boxes inside um and wingspan I feel like the audience for that is not the people who buy those things right wingspan's audience it sold a million copies to bird watchers and families and people who read the New York Times not I mean it sold plenty of copies to us too the board sure. gamers but we can only buy some of the games so well too I think the other thing about that is like we've seen every picture like you
1: mentioned Anthony about like board gamers and stuff like that. I don't know anyone who hasn't upgraded their wingspan. Right. I mean, at this point, you go on Etsy, and I think that's got to be the number one or number two game for, like, upgraded components. Maybe, probably number one probably is Quacks of Quindelberg because everyone loves those little tokens. But how many, like, birds' nests and more realistic eggs and just, like, (laughs) people... Or they built, like, a wooden birdhouse. So I've seen a lot of those versions of it. So, yeah, I guess they could do that. I mean, again, it's just... Who hasn't, though, at this point?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, although, you could say the same thing about Catan. And it's true. And they did that anyways. So, or Terraforming Mars. Everybody had upgraded their Terraforming Mars, and then they came out and like, look, our upgrades, they're not as good. They're more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Remember
1: when all the companies went after all the Etsy creators, which was like the worst thing in the world, and they're yeah. like, stop making upgrades for our games so people buy them. We want to make upgrades for our games. But worse than you.
0: (laughs) Mass produced and more expensive. huh? Who's on board? Everybody, right? It's got the official license on it. No one's happy with that. No. Um, All right. And then one more that I just wanted to throw out there because it seems like one that makes sense is Agricola with all the decks and promos in it. Oh, geez. Because what are they up to? Five or six decks now? They just released a new one?
1: Yeah. Well, I think even more so was they a couple of years ago they came out with the people the farmers
0: oh yeah and they
1: came out with individual decks but i think those i think you got like four or five farmers and then you i think it was four maybe it was five and then you had the the small deck that came along with it but i think they were like 25 bucks a mm-hmm. shot and i was really tempted cuz i really like agricola but i was just like so I'm gonna play Agricola and have my family of upgraded people and everyone else has, <laughs> has to suck it and, and, and get like really bad tokens with you know that kind of interesting artwork on it. So I don't I think that would be better. <laughs> and I get the good people. so yeah, yeah. It's my game. All right. so if you out there would like to hit us up, let us know what overpriced massive collectors definitive edition you'd like to see out there. Hey, who knows? They might actually do that thing if they knew that people wanted those things. Because money, right? Money. Money. So again, follow us on all of our social media. Or don't. We don't care. It's money. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Board Gamers Anonymous, Instagram. Basically, anywhere you find podcasts, you should find us. Let people know. The more people who know about us, know about board games. And There's more board games getting to the table. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's going on with our listeners. Now let's get on to our acquisition disorders. So what do you have up for us this week?
0: All right. So I held back one of these answers from Corey. Uh, They mentioned Terra Mystica. And the reason I held it back is because there is a big box version of Terra Mystica coming. It will be here um, sometime in the next few months from Capstone. They're opening pre-orders. Well, when you're listening to this, pre-orders are open. So um, this is a collection of all the stuff that's come out for terra mystica so far it's a base game fire and ice expansion merchants of the sea expansion all in one box Mm -hmm. which is cool because it doesn't fit in the box no matter what you do and i'm one of those people who when i get an expansion i'll put it in the base back box and get rid of the expansion box because i just don't have room for all those boxes but then they release another expansion and that won't fit and so then i have one expansion box missing the other one it doesn't fit it's it's annoying right um they're also adding a solo mode by Autumn Factory. So Gaia Project, for me, I mean, it's a better game, but the reason I play it so much more often than Terra Mystica is because it has a really good solo mode. It's one of the better Autumn solo modes from the Autumn Factory because of how simple it is. Just that one deck of cards, everything flips through. It's really good. Uh, and so they finally made one for Terra Mystica, which is fantastic. I'm very excited about that. The Ultimate Edition here, or Collector's Edition, whatever they're calling it, Big Box, um, it takes all that content, it adds the solo mode, which is $20, and they are selling that separately, thank God. But <laughs> all of that together, and this is like the new thing everybody's doing, is they're like, let's put all the content together, and we'll charge you the same amount as if you bought them all separately. What What are you doing? <laughs> $150 for the Terra Mystica big box. Keeping in mind that Terra Mystica by itself was $70 or $80, and each of those expansions was $30 or $40. So... You could just get them all separately. I mean, you can't anymore, but you could have in the past gotten them all separately and it's the same price. Now, I know there's some inflation and everything with supply chain stuff or whatever, but there's no value to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Simon just released re-released the Lorenzo Il Magnifico with the expansion in the box and I think they're charging 90 or or $100 or something for it. Crazy. What are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. It's insane. Ultimate Railroads is going to be 120 and that's... I mean, it has three expansions, but still, and that one's even worse because they're throwing in a new expansion that you can't get anywhere else. At least Capstone and Furyland are making that Autumn expansion available separately for $20. They're not being anti-consumer, so the price is just too high. It is. But but they are making all the content available separately, which I think is what you should do. Um, So... It's acquisition disorder specifically for the autumn box. I'm excited about that. I will buy that. I like Terra Mystica, and this will give me a chance to bring it back to the table, whereas Gaia Project is the only version of this I've played in the last five years. But the big box, I mean, if you don't own anything and you really want it, I guess it's as good a way to get it as any. Um, but, man, $150 for a Euro game. <laughs> it's, wood. it's wood. I know wood's yeah. expensive. Wood's not that expensive. Come on. so uh, Someone tell me the economics of this because I'm starting to like my brain's exploding trying to think through like all these $150, $200 Euro games. I mean, I'm wondering, and you said this earlier, like sometimes
1: when we talk about Wingspan, like who are these games for? Right. This is a game that's not going to be for your average family going to Target no <laughs> and then obviously you're talking about a big box version right you know Terra Mystica is a complex game it's not a hard game to play it's just but it is very complex like anyone who sits down to that game for the first time is gonna be like purple bulls and you're like yeah purple bulls yeah. but it is a really complex game and I always wonder about this because yes you do I mean as a as a publisher or designer you do want to have this wonderfully beautiful definitive edition of your game but your game is so immensely complex that I, again, like you said, Anthony, like I, who who buys these things? Because like, like you said, maybe you buy it for one particular element or maybe we talked about this earlier with Wingspan. Like maybe you, for some reason, you haven't, you know, upgraded your game components and now this gives you an opportunity to buy it all in one spot. So, I mean, there are small reasons for it, but like anyone who's really legitimately looking at this right now is looking at this because they've played and owned Terra Mystica. And they're like, well, what do I do with my original copy of Terra Mystica? Do I throw it in the garbage? <laughs> do I put it on the street and go, yeah, who, who wants this? Because again, like, these, these games are not games that are just general public games. Like, if you, you know, it's just it's just weird. And anybody who would want the base, I mean, or who would want the base game would probably want the big box version of it. So it's just like, I ah. You know, like, oh, do, oh, someone's selling their base bo- base version of this. I like this game. W- would I buy the base box? I mean, like, what's the market for, like... I mean, we don't talk... We talk about, like, oftentimes, like, the secondary market for, like, upgraded components or from promos or, you know, Kickstarter specials, but what's the secondary market for the base games once the super editions come
0: out? Yeah, I don't know. And and the thing is, too, Capstone is still selling the base game. They just got the license for paramistica last year so again they're not being anti-consumer this isn't even really a rant about capstone because they're handling this better than asmodee for example with ultimate railroads or simon with lorenzo which i think both of those situations are terrible those are terrible yeah um because they're like all the expansions are out of print the only way to buy it is this 150 dollars box (laughs) ha ha um this is if you have nothing you can buy all of it and it's slightly cheaper cool but at the same time so much money And I just want the box. Can I just have the box so I can fit all my expansions in one thing? Just give me the box. I know nobody likes to do that and just sell a box, but I would just buy the box. Just buy the box. Yeah, well, actually, they did that, right? They did that for Scythe. Scythe did do that, yeah. And it was expensive. It was an expensive box. It was like $40 for an empty box. Yeah, and the shipping was a lot because it's a big box.
1: Yeah, that was a mistake. I bought that. (laughs) That was a big mistake. Don't do it.
0: I also bought that. I, I... yeah i don't know anytime i put all the stuff in the big box i don't take it out as often because it's hard to find things yeah so that's true. i say i want it but do i really want it i don't know um but yeah Mystic is expensive <laughs> i guess it always was we are the market for that so i feel comfortable saying that that's a lot of money since so, i am the target audience <laughs> so you're to blame you're to blame for this big box i'm not buying it i'm not the all no, right i don't yeah. i don't know the last time i spent that much money on a a I mean, game that you already own yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've done that but it,
1: it has to be really like the game it has to be your like this is my game this is my life this is the one thing right? you know because it's just like then you have both versions like I, I love Citadels and eventually it took me forever and I bought the new version on sale so it's not like I didn't and the same thing with Kingsburg it was on sale and everything but like yeah, I really love that game and it was on sale I mean I didn't buy it when it first came out I was like I own this game already why would I do that I was yeah. like oh cool it has one more thing to it Sure, I'll buy that for like 25 bucks, but not not a super deluxe, gigantic box version of it. All right, um, I want to talk to you about a Kickstarter that I saw recently. This is Solar 175, currently on Kickstarter, and there's 25 days to go as of broadcast, so you'll probably have about 24 days to go. And this is an epic Euro-style legacy game for one to five players set in a dystopian Sci-fi future. Why can't sci-fi futures not be dystopian?
0: I don't know. That's a good question.
1: They're always, like, really sad. I don't want to go to the future now.
0: I know. I mean, I guess probably because <laughs> we're all really sad. I know. It's hard to imagine a, a utopian world. It's
1: so like dystopian. Yeah, we know how to do that. We don't know how to do happy. We don't know. Even Star Trek is dystopian now. It is, which it's... is not not Star Trek for me. I'm oh. sorry. Like... uh Take five minutes. Take a breather. There's supposed to be something that is the opposite side. So it's cyberpunk and it's like more the dystopian future. But then there's something called solarpunk, which is supposed to be the nicer, like the world does not devolve. It kind of uses like green energy and technology oh, yeah, yeah, to kind yeah. of like make everything better. Yeah. So this, again, this is a very... A very scary combination of things to say out loud as far as (laughs) it's epic it's euro it's legacy it's five players like those are those are things you should never say in one single sentence this game is interesting to me and again if it can pull it off and and the publishers have published one game previously and I, i guess a version another version of it but and then it's nothing really to speak about but this one looks like it has legs and what you're doing in this game is you are exploring the solar system, and again, it it has some, it has, it looks like to have some elements of like a 4X game. They describe it as gameplay inspired by classic Euro games such as Orleans and El Grande. So Orleans mm-hmm. so typically known as your, your bag building kind of situation, and El Grande about your area control and voting. And they do have both of those kind of in here. And the voting option here is a big part of the game. In fact, when you back the game, it seems like the most expensive component in the game is this voting box. So you'll be able to vote in in this game. So you're going to take your ship and you're going to fly around the universe and you're going to explore different tiles. There's a whole bunch of tiles in the game. So 50 unique locations that you'll be able to visit. You'll be able to expand your influence so you have your own little tech tree that you'll be able to do. But again, like El Grande, you want to expand out so that by controlling those different areas, you have more voting power. And since this is kind of a galactic universe, that kind of helps you um, big time as far as that's concerned. Um, beyond that, there are a number of different actions that are available in your pool, including that it comes where the Orleans elements come into it. Uh, you'll be mining for resources. You'll be gaining money as you build. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, is the manipulating the governments because you'll be voting throughout the game. So this big kind of dumpster looking voting box is how <laughs> you'll be voting based upon the areas that you control. But again, this is a really interesting idea. I mean, I, I love the the look of this game. It's got that really cool cyberpunk look, but um, the board itself almost looks a little like Talisman. I'm hoping that it's, <laughs> it's not tat- Talisman. No. <laughs> but it's got that big giant square board where there's just an expanding universe of, of tiles and a board. It's not Eclipse as far as like, this ever expanding kind of area, but uh, leg build, uh, bag building alongside with legacy—that's very interesting, especially with the voting. So you might actually uh, change the game state based upon the the voting situations that come with it. Um, again, as as always, it's it's fairly a fairly expensive game. So for the retail version of this, you're looking at eighty nine dollars for the deluxe edition, of course why would you not look for the deluxe edition it's 112 and then of course if you want little things like for some reason you want a a enamel victory pin and some other little minor things and it goes up to 124 so this is an expensive game the retail of it edition might be enough but again a legacy game utilizing bag building orleans el grande those are good games to pull from the game looks good looks interesting um, five players, I'm not sure how long that game will take, Ooh. but uh, it's something to take a look at. So, if you're interested, check it out. Solar 175. I think I'd be more interested if it
0: wasn't Legacy. Everything's got to be Legacy these days, it's, man. Yeah, the thing is, like, <laughs> if it's the people who have their little groups and can get together once a week and play through the Legacy games. things, You know, it's great.
1: But Who if, are these people? I know. And why do they never invite us to come play with them? I know. <laughs> Damn it, people.
0: We've
1: been doing podcasts. We just want to play. <laughs>
0: But, like, I have all these games on my shelf. I'm like, Oath. I got that in last summer. I played it twice. Game one, both times. I have not gotten further in that because I just haven't been able to get the same group together. You know, like, all these legacy style games that I just can't get to the table. They look really good. If it was a normal Euro, you'd just be able to play it. Sure. So I don't know. But it sounds really good. So, I'll keep it in mind. I mean, I
1: think the legacy elements of board games is like the holy grail, right? If you can pull off a game that really. Yeah has that kind of evolving story element that changes the game forever. That's something that will stay with you. Unfortunately, I mean, I guess we can talk about Pandemic or Risk Legacy, but that's about it. I don't yeah. I don't think there's anyone else who's hit that everyone else has kind of fallen flat on their face, but I guess we appreciate it.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> here we go again, folks. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it was a fad because it was it's People didn't realize how hard it is to do It's super
1: hard. I really appreciate when it tries. It's just, it's not the best. All right, everyone. So that's what we want at our table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table. Will everyone know if those games are a buy and they should run out and pick those games up? If those games are a play and they should sit down and play them, if those games are a dodge and they should avoid them all costs. or if those games are, in fact, the dreaded burn and just like any good legacy
0: game, you should rip it up and throw in the garbage and never speak about it again. So, Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right, so... You and I got a chance to play the greatest game that's ever been made in the history of board games. What? This is not the review. This is just objective statement about the game. (laughs) Uh, Ark Nova. Uh, It's from Matthias Vig and uh, Spiel via Capstone Games. I got my copy in, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And I I have been playing it a little at home, solo-ish, multi-hand, just to get the feel for the game. But the first actual play that we had with real human beings uh <laughs> chris's house what? Uh, so this game is i'm, I'm going to describe it as like a bit of a frankenstein's monster of a board game yes there's absolutely nothing in here that i can think of that is unique or new to the board gaming space that's not a bad thing nope but it's just to preface what you're getting into it's a lot of pieces from a lot of games that i like a lot mm-hmm. jammed together <laughs> in an interesting way <laughs> um so the basic idea of the game is you are a conservationist. You're building up your zoo um, to try to manage and, and run these various conservation projects and help different types of animals. And so there are, you have your own personal player board that has a zoo on it. You're going to be placing different types of, I say polyominoes, but that's not really what they are. They're just like little hexes that are different yeah. shapes. And each each shape is based on the number of spaces it covers. So they're always the same. Yep. Um, And so you're going to be building those and then populating them with uh, animals based on the cards that you play out. So the core mechanic of the game is you have a row of five cards in front of you. These correspond to the five major actions. There's the cards action, which will let you draw new cards from the deck, or after you upgrade that, because you can upgrade all five of these actions with the upgrade ability later on, Um, you can take from a central market row, um, so this is similar to Terraforming Mars. It was a giant deck of cards. There's 255 cards in the deck. It's a lot. You're not going to get through all of it in one game, but there's also a market row now. Uh, so you have six cards that are always face up. So you can have some mitigation of the randomness of the deck. Not a lot, especially early in the game, because early in the game, you don't have much access to that row. Uh, but it's there and it, it gets more valuable throughout the game. There's the build action, which lets you actually build those enclosures in your zoo. Um, There's a bunch of bonuses on the map. So, as you cover them up, you can get various bonuses. There's things you have to keep in mind because animals need different size enclosures. You also need some of them to be next to the rocks, some of them need to be next to the water. So, various things to keep in mind as you do that. That takes money. So, you need money to do that. The animals action lets you build animals, or I keep saying build animals. I said this last night too. (laughs) Accommodate animals in your zoo. They're not real animals. Uh, So you're going to have a hand of cards at any point in time. Um, At the beginning of the game, you'll have four, and then you'll draw more, get rid of them, whatever they are. And so some of those cards are animal cards. And so the animal cards, they're going to have a size of enclosure they need, a minimum size, so between one and five. They're going to have a cost in cash, and then they're going to have some requirements, potentially. Um, These could be requirements of being partnered with a zoo in Europe or Asia. They could be requirements that you already have multiple tags of... A certain continent or a certain type of animal, similar to Terraforming Mars. Like you have to have those tags already in place. Um, things like that, right? So when you play the, when you build, accommodate animals, you will be able to place out one or two, depending on the power of the action you take. And then when you play it, you're going to flip over a tile in your zoo, take an action on the animal card. It'll have some text there, something will happen. Um, you'll get some amount of points, sometimes additional bonuses if it's a big enough animal. Like if you build an elephant, you get a bunch of bonuses on top of everything. And then that goes into your zoo. So you're not physically putting anything in the zoo. You're just having a card in your tableau, and then you flip over a tile that correlates to that card. Um, the association action lets you go to the association board with your workers. You start the game with one. You can unlock up to four. And there's a few different options there. So there's conservation projects, which are a way to get a ton of victory points. Um So, you have to have hit certain milestones. It's like the milestones or achievements in Terraforming Mars, where you take one of your cubes off your board, you place it on one of the cards where you've accomplished a certain thing, and you get those conservation points. Now, this first mention of the points, the point system is, if you play Rogers of the Ganges, has kind of a similar um, scoring track. So, you have the ticket points at the bottom. Like, these are people coming into your zoo and uh, engaging with it. You get these points every time you place an animal. Basically, Most of the actions will give you these points. And then conservation points, and you get these mostly for these achievements that you accomplish. You get them for unlocking various things on your board, and you get them for accommodating really big or very rare animals. Like that elephant I mentioned might give you two conservation points because it's such a big, expensive animal to get. Um, When those two markers cross each other on the board, that's the end of the game. And the difference between the two, like how far they cross each other by at the end end of the game, is your score. So your score is going to be relatively low. Like our game, the winning score was nine. So you're not going to have a huge, you're going to get a ton of points throughout the game, but you're actually not actually scoring that many points. <laughs> so think of it as if you have negative points the entire game, and then eventually, hopefully you have positive <laughs> points. Um, so the association action is how you get those partner zoos. It's how you get um, upgrade tiles that let you have a bigger hand size or s- science icons, which are very important in this game. Um, they're important in Terraforming Mars, but in this game, they're very important. There's a lot of things to trigger off of science tokens. Uh, and they're let you, what let you put out those, so the uh, conser, conservation projects. Uh, and then sponsors is actually a different type of card in your hand. So you can have up to three types of cards in your hands. There's animals, there's conservation projects with the association action, and then there's sponsors, which are the effect cards from Terraforming Mars. Uh, they're blue, you put them down. They often have some immediate effect. Sometimes they have income and sometimes they have endgame game. Uh, scoring and sometimes they have an ongoing effect as well. So it can do up to four different things. Uh, and those are the five actions you take, right? And so there's probably some other nuance or bits in there, you know, in terms of how the game plays, but that's really the core of it. And so they're taking a lot of Terraforming Mars, a little bit of Wingspan, some various pieces from like Rogers of the Ganges, the action selection bit, the cards in front of you are going to correspond to one of five slots, and that's the power of the card when you play it from Civilization and New Dawn. Which I love that mechanic. Um, and so you have to program a little in your head what order you want to take your actions so that you get the right power of action and you do it as efficiently as possible. You have to keep track of what cards you want and when you want them. Um, there's no formal rounds in the game. It's just when the break token happens to get to the end of the break track, everything resets. So things will refill. You'll get your workers back and you have to discard down to your hand size. So you have to plan around that as well. But other people could obviously mess with that. Um, and so there's a lot going on, but it all flows really smoothly together, right? Like I say Frankenstein's monster and you think, oh, I don't like, this seems like disjointed. It's not because it is alive, right? They managed to do it. They brought all the pieces together. It's alive. It feels like its own complete game. It's just, if you know board games, if you've played a lot of board games in the last five to 10 years, you're going to see a lot of familiar pieces in this game. I believe this is Matthias Wigg's first game. So they have clearly just been playing a lot of games. And they're like, I'm gonna take this piece. I'm gonna take this piece I'm gonna take, piece. I'm gonna take that piece. I'm gonna jam them together. I'm gonna fix this problem. I'm gonna fix this problem. I'm gonna ignore that problem. We're just gonna deal with that problem. Um, and, and that's what you get. So the end result is you have a very, for me, it was a very smooth experience. You build up this engine. And if you can get the cards to work together, if you can build the engine, you have the right icons that come together. If you do it in the right order, Um, which is going to take, I think, two or three plays to kind of know what the cards are in the deck and what the balance is and how fast you need to do certain things or when you can shoot forward on other tracks. But it was a lot of fun. It was very enjoyable. Uh, It's long. It's the one thing I'll say. I think it's too long. Um, It plays one to four. Board Game Geek, I think the best at it says two, which is always a sign that the game is (laughs) too long. We played with three and it took us three and a half hours plus teach the so four total which is the first game so you know take that as you will but uh i i don't know that i would ever want to play this with four people it's just too long that'd be like playing terraforming mars at 5 it's just too long it's sure. going to take too long um the, you do have more control over when the game ends so it's not like terraforming mars where you just have to, if other people aren't doing things the game just drags and drags and drags you can just get more points like sure your scoring is going to end the game um But it does have that side effect, kind of like a a Stonemaier game of if somebody has a big combo that they're sitting on that's going to score them like 40 points in a round and you don't realize it, you don't know that it's the last round of the game, right? You don't realize, you're like, I'm going to do this, this and this and then it's going to reset and then I'm going to do this, this and this and someone's like, all right, boom, 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 10 conservation points, 20 you know, ticket points and the game's over. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, okay. Sure. Great. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> um, and you get one more action after that. So you can't get all your stuff out. Sure. So some people don't like that. And so this is exactly that. You're going to have to deal with that. So I, I like it a lot. It's It did not hit me like a freight train, like Terraforming Mars did. The first time I played that, I was like, this is mm. the, one of the best games I ever played. This game, I first time I played it, I was like, okay, I see. I see what people like about this. It's going to grow on me. I like it a lot. Um, so... It's it's still a buy for me. It's like a soft buy, sure. but it's not the best game of all time because it takes elements from all the best games of all time and jams them together. Um, and so, it, I don't know. It's still growing on me a little bit, but I'm definitely excited to play it again. Yeah, there's a
1: lot. I mean, Anthony. I mean, it's a it's a great kind of review because, as you said, this game is a hodgepodge of different elements, and they do fit r- rather well together. I never really felt like. Any of the elements that were in play were superfluous at any level. I, I didn't feel like anything was necessarily pasted on. Although there is a lot of cards in the game, and every once in a while it's like you get a monkey and he does this thing, and you're like, sure, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm like, but that's fine. I look, it's it's 255 cards. Like, not everything is going to be as thematic as possible. Not everything can be wingspan where every bird is like somewhat represented by their behavior in the game. I th- let's talk theme first because I, I agree with you as far as this is going to – there's so much of you know, terraforming Mars in this that it's hard not to make the comparison. And maybe at some point this might have to be a versus situation. Right. For me and you, and maybe we are just biased in this way, like you like Mars? You like space? You like the idea of like terraforming a planet and transforming it? I mean that's gonna blow your mind, especially back then, Mars yeah. you know terraforming was not the big game that it is now, because again, there's a lot of games that do that now, right, but back then that was revolutionary, so playing this game that actually has building zoos, I'm just like it's kind of a letdown yeah i I would have liked to seen, and the box makes you believe that this is something, and maybe some of the cards too i don't I don't want to take it away completely. But
0: something futuristic, yeah. That box—it's—it's it's like this blue bubble, and the animals are floating in on a lotus yeah. leaf. And so, like, my impression originally was like, oh, it's like a new, nouveau artwork style. It's going to be kind of stylistic. And again, it, it's just photographs on the cards. Yeah, it's just—it's basic everyday kind of stuff. I—if this was more of like
1: futuristic, I mean, you didn't have to—you don't have to go full sci-fi on this. But it like, it was like when you when you put the animals in their enclosures in the zoo area. It was very generic. It, it was it was almost a letdown because you feel like the game should have been like next level kind of thing, and this was like brown and brown and gray on top of brown and gray with like a spot of blue here. I'm just like, oh, that's that's unfortunate because everything else is is kind of popping about the game, and this is kind of like a just a bland landscape. I felt I felt depressed for the animals. I'm like, hey. You, you want to go be in the brown area with the other <laughs> brown areas? Like, I, I know the box cover is really engaging, but enjoy your brown areas, folks. Uh, so that was theme-wise, like, again, I I'm not even vibing necessarily with the whole zoo idea. I think animals just exist however naturally they exist. And I think that's more respectful and, and conservation, you know, should be kind of focused there. But beyond that, I, I would have liked to seen something. I'd like to see the the artistic appeal of that kind of a cover follow through with the actual gameplay. I I don't necessarily mind the, 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 you know, the photography on the cards themselves, but I would like to have seen something better done with the actual game board because you are focusing on that through the game. Like when you play terraforming Mars, you're looking at Mars and you're terraforming it and you're putting tiles and you're putting land on there and stuff like that. And it really does feel like you've built something epic. At the end of the game, I looked at my zoo and I was like, random poly hexagon kind of things and it's just like i don't don't feel like i've i've constructed anything of an epic level and again this idea is supposed to be arc nova like this kind of revolutionary kind of zoo that's supposed to be taking place but i never really felt that in the game and the same thing with the cards too that you know you're getting like snakes or you're getting penguins or whatever is also very cool animals but i never felt like when you play Terraforming Mars, like you're transforming or growing plants from scratch or you're, you know, introducing, you know, oh, you're pulling down a comet to the planet or something. It's just it didn't have that epic nature to the game plan. I think it could have. I think if they would have done a little bit more to try to talk about the habits and habitats and things like that, they it could have been a little bit more in that. The the main part of the game, Anthony, like you said, is the 255 cards. It's that, that kind of large market of cards. I did like the fact, because we, we're going to talk about a game in a minute, that the cards did not cycle. Yeah. I did like the fact that these cards did cycle, although I think you and I were very frustrated with the fact that, like, we couldn't get cards that we needed. Like, they have this card action that allows you to take X number of cards, and I would move it all the way to the top, which allowed me to pick anything I wanted, or go through the deck, and I'm just like, there's nothing in the market, and I'm taking like whatever it was, like three to five cards, and then like and there's nothing there. Yeah. And I'm just
0: like, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing about the cards is it's a card game with a giant deck. Yeah. There's no way to really fix this problem.
1: I have a suggestion. Okay.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just gonna compare to Terraforming Mars real quick, because again, I love that game. Yeah. And that's a game where you might get seven, eight rounds in the game, so you will see a grand total of 40 to 50 cards in the entire game, right? And if those 40, 50 cards don't have synergy with each other, you might not have as great a time, right? You have to find the synergy that's part of the fun of the game. But in Arc Nova, at least, I feel like I saw probably a third of the deck. Yeah, because I just cycled through a lot of cards. I drew a lot of cards. I dumped a lot of cards. I played a lot of cards because you have a card draw action and you don't have to pay to draw the cards. And there is a tableau or market available at all times. That said... I spent the first two rounds of the game, like my opening eight cards I drew were very expensive and didn't really give me a direction to move. And I knew I could only hold on to three when I discarded. So I was like, I don't want to hold two elephants and a walrus because I can't afford these for like another five, six turns. What am I, all these cards are useless. And then it was just a bad start to the game. In the end, it didn't matter. And I did find like, I got my Australia engine going and it was fine, but like, it's just a slow start to the game. So, your idea. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, like, in comparison to Terraforming Mars,
1: the cards that are available here in Arc Nova, a, a lot of those cards are just, like, they're not cards that necessarily play into your tableau always. Like, some of them are, like, victory point cards that you'll right. be able to build out. And some of them are just, just general kind of... You know how would you say it? Like they're, they're, they they kind of react with the sponsorship or the association. Their technologies or their things that will get you money necessarily, but they're not animals, right? Like when you play Terraforming Mars, I would, I, if I remember correctly, every card plays into your tableau or affects Mars. Some of these cards are just like, hey, it'll do a thing for you probably at the end of the game. So I would have liked to seen multiple lines like these type of cards. Like all the animals should have their own you know, market row. And then the other one should have their own market row, market row. I would also recommend, and Terraforming Mars does do this. And I guess in the rule book or later that there was some sort of draft Mm. or some sort of like pick from the market. Because like you said, I I started the game and I was like, Oh, these are really amazing cards. I can't hold on to all of these, which, which is bad because some of them are really cool. But I had like the great apes. I had like four great apes, but they were like, I couldn't, I couldn't purchase. I don't think at any point, like they were like, 38, 42. Like I would have had to have a lot of additional tokens to be able to do that. And I think I showed, showed them to you. I'm like, how can I build this? It's like, Oh, you need like three, eight cards already built into your, you know, tableau.
0: And I'm like, Oh, I have, that's never, yeah.
1: Even at the end of the game, I think I had one. I think I had one monkey card
0: in the thing. This is still the one problem that Underwater Cities has solved that none of these games have figured out yet is having separate decks for different chunks of the game. Yeah, right. So you have like if you draw at the beginning of the game, like I drew a dugong and I held that and I played it about halfway through the game, but I held that card forever. Yeah, because it had two Australia tokens on it. I'm like, well, I want to go Australia because it's one of the conservation goals. Yeah, but Underwater Cities has kind of solved this because you have the ones, the twos, and then the threes, and you could put those. Level three apes in the three deck. And then if you've built towards that, great. If you didn't, oh, well, it's a dead card, right? Yeah. And also with Terraform
1: Mars, even though you have to pay to keep the cards, you get to keep the cards. Right. Right. This game is going to, this game constantly kicks cards yeah, yeah. out of your hands. limiting, yeah. So I was just like, I would have liked to, I had a strategy there if, if I could have kept those ape cards throughout the whole game because there was like three or four of them and they were africa based and i could have bought the tokens but that would not have happened until like the final round or something like that and then once they're gone they're gone like there's so many cards those didn't get recycled back out to the market by the end of the no. game yes. so uh yeah I, again I, I think this i think so much about this game is is great i think there's no denying that i think all the mechanics work really well together i had a lot of fun playing the game even though i wasn't getting the synergies where i kept having to wait for cards to do a certain thing there was so many cards that were available that I could build a couple of things together. And I did enjoy doing that. Um, there is very little if zero interaction as far as this game is concerned. Like is it, what, what one or two
0: gotcha cards? Kind of there, thing? Yeah. There's a handful of take that cards. So like the snakes and the lizards and the monkeys can steal or yeah. poison or whatever. Um, and so we maybe saw six or seven of those cards. Nobody played them, but we saw them. Well, I played one, but then there was I just, you didn't hit anybody because you were head. Cause I yeah. head. Yeah. Um, so, those are kind of like the comments in Terraforming Mars where you're just like, why is this here? Yeah. Like, because there's so few of them that it becomes weird and imbalanced and it doesn't always make sense to play it. And then, obviously, the cards themselves. Like, occasionally you want a card, someone takes it before you. But that's about it, right? There's no other. It doesn't
1: match the theme either because no. it's the whole game is literally you're buying these or recruiting these tokens for like partnerships yeah so why are you poisoning other zoos with venom right? <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense it's like no, it's supposed no, no. to be this cooperative kind of like world kind of zoo to- it is, topia so to speak it is
0: weird for it to be competitive which i guess is why people like it best at one and two i could see that yeah and like i i've not played the full solo version yet i just played it multi-handed but i'm very excited to get home and play it solo now that i really have my head wrapped around the rules because it seems like it'll be very good in that way <laughs> just the puzzle on your own
1: Yeah, the theme is, again, the theme is something that I I think is challenging, and I think they could have done definitely something either more futuristic or more keeping with the, you know, the habitat of the the animals, uh, you know, or the cooperation of the the global community. It could have been something like a CO2, like we have to save the animals. It's Ark Nova, right? Like, so the idea of like Noah's Ark, right? Like, you know, climate change and stuff like that. Let's help that kind of thing. It gets a solid play for me. I would play this again anytime somebody put this at the table. It is long, as you said, and it does have that Stegmeier thing where if someone isn't really doing well, you are going to be there for a long time because by the time because I think you did really you had that really great combo, you were doing really well, and Russ and I were still getting there. Like I was behind you, but it would have taken me another whatever twenty minutes or
0: something to kind of yeah, like Russ's last turn, he scored forty points, yeah. But he still hadn't quite closed that. Gap. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's like two, three rounds turns behind. Sure. You were like one or two rounds behind. So I was like, it's a race. Yeah, yeah. If and if you all pace each other, then the race comes down to end game scoring. But if one person is out front, they're just gonna win because they're gonna. Close yeah. You the and gap. I were very tight until like towards the very end. Like I, was I like had one, a big combo in my hand. Yeah. Towards yeah.
1: Because you win. were like one. I was ahead on the. I don't know it's the reputation track on the top for a long time. Yeah. And then you caught up, and then on the bottom. I started catching on your ticket, and then you just blew away at the end. Which, again, is is still a great game because that's what you really want. You don't want to have a a splatter game where you're just like blown out at the very beginning. But I guess that could be possible someone has a combo early on just gets lucky. But that's card games.
0: Yeah. I mean, if if you have a really good combo, and to me it's a little wingspan in that way. If you have a really good combo and you score a ton of points, it's not so much that people can't catch up. It's that you don't give them enough time to catch up Mm -hmm. because it is a race. If it was a certain number of rounds and you got way ahead... And then you'd burn out your combo and people could catch up to you. But because you getting far out ends the game sooner, then obviously people can't catch up to that. So, yeah, it just becomes, you know, like, again, like a lot of those Stonemaier games or a Scythe. Like, if you get all those points quickly enough, people can't get enough to catch up to you before the game's over. And, and, again, not
1: even from a competitive point of view, just from a gameplay point of view. I just, in every game, I don't like that. Yeah. Just because if a game is based on combos... The best part of the game, and, and we talked about this with Dune. Anthony was like, "Why are you so, you so like upset with, while you're playing Dune?" I'm like, "I just want to play this combo, and right. I don't care about winning. But I got like a good combo. I wanted to get a good combo going. So, like when you play an Arc Nova, eventually, like you did, you, you're able to build hopefully towards this really great combo, and then the game just I wouldn't say arbitrarily ends, but it does just randomly yeah. kind of end. It doesn't it doesn't have like ten right. rounds or like the temperature raises. I mean, this could have been Arc Nova, right? This could have been, like, collect all the animals and get them out off the planet, right? Right, yeah. It, we
0: could be building a zoo on Mars. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> in so, one so, of the cities. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were saying this last night. I was saying this last night. Of For me, the best games are ones in which I get one or two really big, solid combos at some point in the game. Too many combos, and it's just, it's point salad, right? Oh, yeah. Not so. enough, and you don't feel like you did anything. But if you have, like, one or two turns where you're like, And then you do this, and then I do this, and then that does this, and this does this, and this, 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 this. I just want to feel that once or twice during the game. Mm -hmm. And last night I did, but because of that, it pushed the game, and so other people didn't get that one or two times. They got once, maybe towards the end, right? So it's just like, it's not evenly distributed, and it can be, obviously. It's just, that was our one particular game. But that is something that can happen when you have this race mechanic.
1: Yeah, it's 255 cards, so draft the cards make multiple markets like underwater cities or I think we talked about the um, Terraforming Mars Ares expansion.
0: The, oh, yeah, the Prelude. So, prelude, yeah. Yeah, having a starting ability. The game did start rather slow. Yeah. It, it, does, it has that vanilla Terraforming Mars problem of early on you can't do much because you haven't built anything out you don't have any token you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have any science icons yet you can't play anything with a science icon needed you can't you don't have any locations you don't have enough money you don't that's have true. any cards in your hand
1: so <laughs> there's nothing more disappointing about a game when you get like really cool cards in your hand you're like I can't build any of these really cool things it's like okay cool i could build i don't know a little tiny kiwi for like cuz that's all i could afford to do at the beginning of the game yeah. so if they started the game with like all of let's say these non-governmental organizations these NGOs and like it gave you a bonus when you did a thing and then maybe a couple of like we talked about this like in the in the in the game itself again of 255 cards like there are some like experts in certain countries yeah. so maybe you get an NGO you get an expert and then maybe you get like a starting habitat or like a you know some sort of animal that you specialize in or something like that that would kind of like at least feel like you have a pathway yeah and when you have 255 cards and and you you know or you get like a hand like i did where you get like all these heavy kind of things it's just like i don't know if i'll ever be able to build these because i don't know if if the requisite cards will come out to help me with that but if i know that i have an ngo starting kind of benefit and or a specialist or something i know exactly if i can or can't do that so i i would feel more confident in holding on to those cards and building them on later, especially if I draft it, because at least, again, as the Matrix told us, you know, the the quite the problem is control, right? We want to believe we have control when we right. draft the cards, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I picked this perfect thing. No, you really didn't. It was just what was available.
0: I'm, I'm always astounded by games that don't have a draft for like a large tableau to start.
1: Really weird. Very strange. So uh, that is Arc Nova. Check it out. All right, next up is a game that we talked about before, at least the base game we talked about before. I did talk about the expansion. This is Dune Imperium Rise of Ix. Is that it? Is that yep. correct? Did I, Ix? I believe it's Ix. I believe it's Ix. Okay. So we've talked about uh Doom Imperium for, it's a number of times. You and I both played this separately and now we've been able yeah, to we've get had to two able.
0: reviews of it of solo and multiplayer. So. This often gets kind of collaboratively
1: connected and compared to Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yeah. And obviously there is some deck building elements similar to Clank because these are, this is a designer from Clank. Right. And obviously it has a lot of the thematic elements to Dune, the movies, the books and the previous games where you do have all these different factions and houses vying for control. So again, ever so briefly go through the game, you get a, a starting leader and typically they refer to one of the factions houses that are in play And they'll give you a benefit, especially for your Signet Ring, because at some point you'll be able to play a special card that's going to give you something unique for you to do. Do you hear me, Arc Nova? Something special for you to do at the beginning of the game. So, um, And then throughout the game, basically what you're doing is collecting resources, whether it's money, whether it's water, whether it's spice, because... Those will give you opportunities to, you know, transform those into victory points throughout the game. And as you go to the different locations on Arrakis, you'll be able to move troops to a centralized battle area. And that battle area will allow you to fight out for, you know, benefits or, or awards based on first, second, and third in that kind of battle. So this does, surprisingly enough, a very good job of representing Dune in a lot of the different elements. This, this game itself is, at least the artwork, is representative of the new movie that came out. And so if you like the movie, this, this fits really well for you. If you don't like the movie, I don't think it's going to get in your way. These are not movie stills. Nah. These are not photos. This is artwork inspired by the movie. But certainly these are the characters they're they're drawing upon. Now, the game itself, with the expansion here... You're going to get three great new houses. So again, you get some unique leader abilities that come into play. Uh, the the technology section, which Anthony and I are going to talk about probably extensively, because I think that was the biggest part of the game. The dreadnoughts come into play. So you got these giant spaceships that will you know battle up, and those played into the game a lot as well and obviously a number of different cards including infiltrators that allowed you to take a spot that someone already has taken if you've ever played a worker placement game you know the frustration where you can't do the th- do the thing that you want to do because someone else did it so primarily that's that's the game it's it's dune it's Dune imperium there's nothing radically different to it uh, i i guess let's talk about some of the elements anthony i think that you know probably stood out i mean the technology part of the game, I think, was really the standout for this expansion because when I had played the first, ver- you know, the the, the base level and you, and you two as well, like, the entry cards were so devastatingly strong or weak, just randomly how you kind of got them in the game. Yeah. And now the technologies allow you an opportunity to get a bonus without having to, like, gamble, right? Like, yeah. they're actually available and you could see them.
0: Yeah, tech, card, tech tiles are great. And the, there's a market of three of them always available out of 18 total. So we didn't go through all of them. We went through a good chunk. Oh, a really good chunk. Yeah, so there was maybe like six or seven left at the end of the game. If that, yeah. Um, and we went nine rounds. So we got through most of them. But there's three different places to go and buy them, uh, which is great because mm-hmm. you have a lot of different options. And it's another way to use your spice, too, which I think is a good thing because the, the original game of spice... It did some stuff like in the faction houses, but mostly you just traded in for cash. It's usually just a it's just a trade kind of situation. Yeah. So now you get these great tiles and they do so many different things. Like some of them give them ongoing abilities, some give you bonuses, some give you extra military, some give you just points. There's what, I got a point off one. Sure. Um They're fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I had about five or six of
1: them, and, and like you said, Anthony, some of them are just give you one more influence purchasing power. I had one that gave you an additional sword for every sword card that you had. And then I had like really kind of cool ones where like, you know, if you had your dreadnought out there and you want to battle, you could retire it and get a gigantic victory point that goes along with it. I had the one where you got an additional card. I just, I love that part of it. Maybe I loved it too much because I had five or six of them by the end (laughs) of the game. But I thought that was really a lot of fun because again, if you want to thematically play the game as it is like it is those technologies that make dune so unique and special and again i think the deck the problem i had initially with the base game was you weren't getting enough combos with the cards in your hand the bened Jesuits cards obviously they love to combo together but again I wanted to feel like I was playing
0: a house that had something unique about them and right. I wasn't just going to like work replacement spots. Yeah, yeah, and it made it unique. And the thing I think is best too is it, it doesn't layer on top, it integrates in, right? So like you won the game. You had a really good influence intrigue card, but you also had the tile that gave you extra military from yeah. your from your reveal. You also had Two dreadnoughts. Two dreadnoughts out. You also had the uh card that the double agent card that let you go to a location and put more tiles out like, you take away any one of those elements and you wouldn't have won. Sure. So all three of those kind of work together to give all the extra military you needed at the end of the game to like beat uh, Alex out. Yeah. So it was, it was a great combination of stuff. It all integrated really effectively. Um, Whereas before, again, like you said, sometimes you get to the end and it's just like, Intrigue card, that's the difference in the game. That's the difference, yeah. This was three or four different things the really yeah. difference in the game, which was all decisions you had made much earlier in the game, which I thought was really cool.
1: Yeah, I had to build a, I had to build two dreadnoughts to be able to to move towards the end of the game where I felt confident I could win that battle, and then I used one of the tile cards that when I won that battle, I got one of the, the giant victory points. I went and ended up winning by three, but at the start of that battle, I think we were all tied, or like... We one- were
0: tie no you were ahead of me by two i had one that took one of your dreadnoughts out of the battle and gave me three so i would have been ahead by three yeah and then you ended up ahead by five yeah no i'm saying like
1: as as far as like where we were situated on the victory point track it came down to that one battle i think there was only one more round after that but i think we were all very very relatively close to winning because everyone had built some sort of you know combo machine together to score points and again, you can't avo- you can't avoid the battles. The battles are essential for the game because you get such great bonuses from them. But as you mentioned, the replacement board that allowed you to, I guess, is it like the the spacing guild? You get to move up, and then yeah. you can drop down. You can get a technology. You can move up on one of the influences. You can get troops. You can get money or spice. I love that board. It's I love so much it. better. Yeah, I love that board. The idea of the board and the fact that it replaced
0: generic or rep- give money for points. Yeah. No, the, that part of the board was my least favorite part of the board. in The original, it was you build up a bunch of spice and then you sell it. That's it. Great. <laughs> so the spice locations that you went to were like, I guess I'll go there so that I can have something to get money for later. Yeah. And then you would go up there. Like, I guess I need money. But now you go on there and you move up this track, the chum track. And it allows you to get all sorts of bonuses, but you're like stocking them up for later. And all those spice locations, you go there because you want to get the stuff to buy the tech tiles. Like all the decisions are interesting now, instead of half of them being interesting and half of them being like, well, I guess I have nowhere to go. <laughs> so
1: yeah, and it gives you a, a lot of opportunities. Like you mentioned, a lot of opportunities to buy the tech, a lot of opportunities to get a lot of resources without having to like suffer through the work or placement section. Like you could just move up that spacing and guild track, right, and then get something. So it was it. it it kind of streamlined the game a lot more than, than before. And you weren't, you know, dependent on the cards on the, cause again, you couldn't cycle through those cards that came out. Now that still happened. And I still hated that Yeah. because it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Alex at one point. was like, can't we get rid of these? Like there's nothing good yeah. here. And I'm just like, and again, what are you going to do Buy endless numbers of, of, you know, one level characters so that you fill your deck with junk. Yeah. So that was that was still an issue, but again, with the technologies that came into play, the dreadnoughts that came into play, I think that kind of softened a lot. And it really, for me, it moved the game. It moved the game up to a buy for me. I would actually Mm. buy this game now. I would probably wait or get the kind of fancier little dudes that you know came with the later edition here. But this expansion makes the game a buy for me. Before it was just a light to moderate play, but this actually moves it up for me because again technology tiles always good you know tech tree kind of situation like that and even the leaders i i, I love the idea of there being they just throw ridiculous numbers of leaders in the box there's so many they added eight i think so now there's 18 19 there's too many and I, I it's kind of funny to say that because they're not like i don't think they impacted the cost of the game i think that's a question in the future that we'll have to say like how many leaders you know how many individual factions would you want considering the fact you have to pay a buck or two for everyone that's in the box. But this, there was so many in the box and it was hard to choose from because they're like, I, uh, yeah, maybe I don't, oh, yeah, this, this could, you know, and I'm just like, I'll take the one that's a princess and she has no water to start with. I'm like, well, that sucks for me, but sure. Let's see how, see how <laughs> yeah. that plays out. So yeah, I, I do like that. I do like that a lot. And I don't think any of the leaders, at least as far as I've seen up to this point are broken. Like there's, right. There's some that are more basic, and they they mark it as such. So just keep an eye on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. and there's some that are more... Like, mine was very situational. I think I used the power once or twice in the whole game. Um, I think I used mine twice. Yeah, it wasn't as great. And mine was like a a start of game ability. I started with an extra intrigue card, whereas getting extra money every time seemed better. But I'm sure they balanced out. Yeah, mine Um, was trade-in. I think it was seven money, and you got
1: like a spice, a troop, and you got to move up one of the tracks. Right. But getting money was not easy
0: no, no, at, no. Least, no, at least initially
1: either too. So again, uh, it's a buy for me. Anthony, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the the original game um I liked, but like I said, like half that board was just nothing actions, right? Every worker placement game has this where like some actions are like, that's where you go and you can't go anywhere else. Um and this fixes that. So it makes it a complete game. I love the mechanic of Worker placement combined with deck building. I always like that. I like Arnaq. I like this. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. It's a buy as well. It's kind of expensive. The expansion's forty dollars. That's yeah. Um, and you can't get it anywhere for less than forty. I don't think they're marking it down anywhere. And you know, it doesn't have a ton of stuff in the box. It just adds no. mechanics. So you're you're paying ninety plus dollars if you want both of these things together. It'd be nice if they repackage it as one thing. Uh, but you know, ignoring that, if the money is taken out of the equation, it's a buy.
1: Maybe this game will get to big box stores when the second Dune movie comes out, and they, they see right. like they see like this could actually go into the general populace because yeah. it's not that complicated of no, a game, no. I and mean, there's not there's not really difficult challenges here. And, and again, they are using movie artwork, so it it would it would fit. It not unlike the other Dune, which is like stuff that would no one necessarily recognize. Right. But this is this for me, Anthony. This <coughs> expansion is essential. I, I will never play the game without the expansion, yeah, one hundred percent, so, but again, as you said, that is a hard kind of you know call because it,
0: like you said, it's forty fifty dollars just for the expansion. If you already have the game, definitely go buy the expansion. If you don't have any of it, probably play it first because it's a lot of money to go in on before paying you know paying up at a hundred dollars with this plus shipping is a lot. Um, but if you have that base game and you at least moderately liked it, I think you'll dig the expansion.
1: Yeah, I don't think you have to love Dune to play this. I don't think there no. was it was anything super thematic that you were like you would get lost. Like you could sit down, and play this game, and never know anything about the characters or the story whatsoever. It's pretty straightforward. But at the same time, as you said, like ninety, a hundred dollars for this game might be only purchased by Dune fans because you might be able to find and I know there is like we talked about Runes of Arnak, there are other games where work
0: replacement deck building is just a standard Yeah, and Arnak and its expansion are both it's combined, I think, less expensive than this. And there's more stuff in that. Yeah. 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 But it's a different type of game. So it, really, honestly, it's, this is a lot more combative than that game. Yeah, and I'll just speak for Anthony. Could you, dear God, could you stop with the black border cards? Oh, my gosh. They're all <laughs> chipped. And this game has been played like three times.
1: It's not it's not quality components in this game. No. There's nothing quality in here. So. I need to
0: sleeve them all. This is like terraforming Mars bad. No, but
1: there's just, there's nothing in this game that you would be like, I mean, everything's a little generic. So yeah. the price is kind of weird with the exception of maybe they paid us so much for the IP. It's it's the IP and
0: the artwork, I, would I guess.
1: Say. Yeah. yeah, I mean I appreciate the artwork. I'm never going to say no to good artwork and yeah. it is good artwork.
0: Yeah, they could have just taken photos. They drew, they do it the Fantasy Flight route. It's all artwork, which is amazing. So
1: Yeah, fun. I'd rather have the artwork
0: than the the photos any anyway. The the photos always get
1: really old really quick. Yeah. You know. So, but um uh, yeah, no, really cool. Cool cool cool. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Dune Imperium Rise of X. It is out there now. So, all right, Anthony. So that brings us to our feature review. So, Anthony, riddle me this. <laughs> from book to board, what are the best
0: Batman games out there? All right. All right. Let's talk about Batman. Um, there have been a lot of interesting takes on Batman over the years. We're not going to talk about most of the big box. I'm not going to say nonsense. Cause some of those games are interesting, but... <laughs> You know what I mean. Um, it's it's been an interesting road, uh, and it's it's gotten better with time, as most licensed games do. Uh, so let's run through these. Uh, the in no particular order either, because they're all kind of roughly in the same ballpark in terms of quality. Um, I mean, it's Batman, right? So yeah, they have to be all Batman.
1: They're all super expensive games that only. Uh, Trillionaire at this point. Could, well, yeah. <laughs> however much money he has magically <laughs> enough,
0: or. Yeah, it's like we're, we're getting far enough we have to upgrade him to a trillionaire. I today. know, right?
1: Because he just, you can't be purchasing all
0: those things. <laughs> all right. So, first on the list Gotham City Chronicles, Batman Gotham City Chronicles. This is the re implementation of the Conan game, yes. the Monolith. Yeah. Uh, came out in 2019. I backed the original Kickstarter. So it was, could... was that a trillion dollars? It was. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Uh, this came with, I don't know, like 250, 300 miniatures, something crazy like that. Like a lot of stuff to the point where like Bat Cow was in it. Oh Calendar my. Man was in it. Like, hey, Calendar Man's... Condiment Man or whatever that was. <laughs> <Condiment> Man. Man <laughs> yeah. So like these crazy, ridiculous things because they just were trying to think of more stuff. Yes. Um, so I have two ginormous boxes because the game came in two boxes and I managed to get all the expansions into those two boxes. And it is... The core mechanic here is amazing. The, it's one versus many with the, like the, you have the big console in front of you and the card flow um, of the one versus the many who are trying to fight back against them. I, I dig that a lot. They overcomplicated it a little bit in the they Batman did. version. So the rules are terrible, they're really long, and it's hard to get this thing to the table. But it's Batman, and if you want the minis, there's so many. Um, there's a season two of this as well, but I did not back that. Because you're not Bruce Wayne. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, they launched the second Kickstarter like a month after the first one such, shipped. That and such I was a like, mistake. I haven't played this yet. I'm not giving you another three hundred dollars. Crazy. You need a back cave for all that,
1: all those mentors too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now at this point, I'm like, I keep them because I want to paint them, but I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. It comes with the Batmobile, man. It does. I have it on a shelf actually. There you go. Sick. That and the T Rex came with the T Rex. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I have those up on a shelf. <laughs> they're very nice, and it's it's like the '90s Bat the Batmobile. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Alright. DC Comics deck building game. We'll just say that generally because a bunch of them have there's Batman a, in them. There's a lot of them that
1: have him yeah.
0: Yeah. So the Cerberus Engine deck building games are all roughly the same. They are. Um, and they did a lot of stuff with DC Comics, Batman, the whole universe, right? Yeah, I mean this was something that we played at Nauseum.
1: I mean the DC deck builder game just forever and then specifically once it just kind of blew out and again with the weirdness of this game was obviously you get your superhero and you get things that you know bounce off or bounce off your your superhero and then you knock out the bad guys and then somehow they become part of your deck right (laughs) and a lot of people got really upset about that but if you if you're a comic book fan like that happens literally all the time oh my gosh yeah so this is an you know, a lightweight game for really anyone to get to the table. And it's actually a lot of fun. You know, the big villains are really hard to knock out and they have special abilities. And there's locations and there's equipment. So obviously Batman is the perfect representation of of this service engine with the DC Deck Builder. And then they did have a rival system where they had kind of these two-player, you know, you versus the bad guy kind of situation. And those were great because, again, Mm -hmm. DC Deck Builder is really easily consumable. We used to call it potato chip games. So, yeah, a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I love these games. I haven't played one in a while, but they're, they're a lot of fun. I own a lot of these, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> they're
1: good. They're good, yeah.
0: Um, another one that's kind of a potato chippy game is Funkoverse Strategy Game. Yes. Uh, so this, it has a bunch of stuff that you can get and mix and match in, but like it launched with Batman and Harry Potter, I Yes. Think, were the two that they launched with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, I think, the base Batman set, which has Batman, Batgirl, um, Harley, and Joker, and then there was a few others you could add other people on. Yeah, um, and it's cool. It's I thought it would be stupid, but it wasn't. It was actually a fairly fun like little dudes on a map rolling, running around game with little tiny Funko figures. Um, and you can mix it with your Golden Girls and your Kool Aid Man. That's and Dinosaurs. <laughs> and I have some of these randomly because some they're often on clearance, and yeah. it's it's fun. Like I don't I don't think it's very thematic to Batman necessarily, except that you have a giant Batman on the board, but. It's it, cool. it's the easiest cash grab, and I'm and I'm so glad they did it because you know
1: who doesn't own Funko characters, yeah. And you're just like this could be a game, and like they did a game. And again, <laughs> Prosperous Hall, I got to give them credit. And I and I've said this to them all often, like they actually make a game. They could have not made this a game. This could have been junky junk and oh, yeah. junk on the side, yeah, terrible. But I did pick up. I think all of the Bat Family, at least whatever the initial first wave was, because again, Anthony on sale,
0: yeah. Yeah, I have this. I have all the Harry Potter for the kids. It's fun. Um, Another one, that this one came out uh, a few years ago. Batman, the animated series, Gotham Under Siege. Uh, This is a dice rolling cooperative game in which you're trying to save the city. Um, It's uh, co-designed by Richard Lanius, famously of all of the big cooperative running around on maps games Um, defender of the realms defenders of the realm (laughs) um so yeah this this is actually fairly decent Uh, it's from idw it's based on the animated series uh it has little cardboard stand-up buildings in that kind of art deco 30 style which is very cool um and honestly anytime you use the artwork from the animated series it's going to be good because it's just such iconic visuals uh it's not particularly complex um it's fairly short it's like a short low-weight cooperative game under an hour. So if you really like Batman, you want something quick and easy and cooperative, this is a, a fairly good one. Sure. Um, Batman, the animated series Adventure, Shadow of the Bat. This is uh, designed by, in conjunction with Kevin Wilson, who worked on like Descent and the TMNT game and the Ghostbuster game. Um, and this is more of a... It's, a, again, a co-op game, but it's a much... Bigger, sprawling one, more like the Kickstarter model, um, one to four co op games where you have 15 different mechanics on a giant board and your miniatures run around and do stuff. Uh, this was, I think, shipped fairly recently. I've seen copies of it on various websites and it came with all the miniatures. Like, so anything from the animated series <laughs> was turned into a little miniature. So you've got Joker and Harley and Killer Croc and Man Bat and all the different things that you know and love. Um, And I have not played it because it was Kickstarter and it's post me on Kickstarter, but it it seems like it plays a lot like the TMNT game, which I did play and was actually fairly good considering how many of these types of games there are.
1: Yeah. It's for me personally, I think the animated series is the best Batman that that's been out there. I mean, there's a lot of good movies and stuff, but like consistently the best for me.
0: Uh, Yeah. It's number one for me with, with a bullet easily. Uh. Batman Gotham City Strategy Game. Uh, this one came out when I, like, the year I first got into board games. And so uh, it's from WizKids, so it uses clicks No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Remember when all their board games had clicks? I remember
1: that. That was, a, that was a very dark age for us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it uses that, like, I don't know, mid-90s, very colorful style of uh, Batman artwork. Yes. Like, that kind of. Coincided with the animated series, but was much more obnoxious.
1: Yes, colorfully. It was the nineties, man. Yeah, everything was much more obnoxious.
0: <laughs> so they all look a little bit like animated series, but like not as cool. No, uh, and it's yeah, I don't know. It just I, I played this once. Somebody had it, and I was like, oh my gosh! And I was new to the hobby, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great! I want to play this. <laughs> and I don't remember what I disliked about it, and it seems like it should be good. It's designed by Paolo Mori, He sure. made a lot of really good games. He mm-hmm. did Ethnos several other games that are just like short direct map based games. This one didn't work for me, but if you can find it and I think it's like $12 on Amazon <laughs> <laughs> cuz they made a lot of copies. Um it's got I mean, Euroclix figures aren't great, but they're colored, they're painted at least. Sure. Yeah. Let's so. let's call that what that paint job is. That's yeah. <laughs> I know. They show the paint job in the picture sometimes. You're like, that's not what those look that's like. That's not
1: what those are at yeah. all. But again, it's Batman, so and it's the 90s. So, yeah. yeah, it's a little it's a little more X, right? Everything has an X in it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
0: exactly what the game is. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, The Batman Who Laughs Rising. This one came out a couple of years ago. Uh, so the Rising series of games, started with Thanos Rising, mm-hmm. and you have, like, a big villain in the middle, and then there's like these eight different fronts or nine different fronts that you kind of have to attack it from. And so, like, different things will come out and you have to focus on them. It's cooperative. And so, I have Thanos Rising. It's really good. It has a big, giant Thanos in the middle, <laughs> like a big plastic Thanos you put out. The kids love it. Um, they did a Darth Vader Rising, I think. Mm-hmm. Similar thing with Star Wars. Yes. And then they did the Batman Who Laughs, which is from the Batman or DC Metal series. It's metal! Right. Yeah, so. it's basically where all the Batmans or Batmans are evil. Yeah. Like,
1: not just evil, but, like, super evil.
0: Like, evil, but, like, with the powers of one of the other Justices. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a, a Batman speedster who's evil. Yes. There's... And this one is the Batman who laughs. There's an Ares one, like, Wonder Woman kind of-esque. Right. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. There's... There's, like, a, a cyborg
1: one where he, like, merges with Alfred's AI kind of thing. Right, yeah, 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 a it, it's, it's a very cool comic series. If you have not read it, I think doesn't you... It doesn't seem like it should work, but it works really it well. It works really well. It, it seems like super 90s, but it actually does... A, it, it's smart. It's an actually a smart comic yeah. series. It's
0: self-aware about it. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's why it works.
1: It's laughing at itself? Yeah.
0: All right, go ahead. Uh, so the Batman who laughs is, like, the Joker. Like, he gets gas. Yes. And then he goes crazy, and then he, like, he drags around the Robins on a chain, they, they're also gassed. It's, it's creepy. It's super creepy. Um, but he's the one who kind of lasted. They've made more comics based on The Batman Who Laughs. Yeah,
1: because he's he's Batman, but Joker... It's,
0: yeah, joker Jokerized Batman. Yeah. So he's crazy. Um, <laughs> and that's what this is. You're fighting off The Joker Who Laughs. So, like, if you dig that... Or The Batman Who Laughs. If you dig that, it's... I don't know. I haven't played this one, but I've played the system, and I like that comic series, so it seems like it could be very good. Um, Justice League Hero Dice... Batman. Um, did you play the Hero Dice games? Remember when this came out? Oh
1: my goodness. I I don't remember this. This like this is again one of those games that like at the time everybody was doing this. So all of these games were dice-based games, and this was not one that ever kind of like got through the
0: rest. Everyone got really excited because it was like a thing you could go get at Target. Yeah. Relatively inexpensive. And I I feel like it was designed, yeah, it was the designer of Heaven and Ale. Why? I know. (laughs) That is,
1: that is, dude. You should not be doing that. You're too good for that. I know. (laughs) And he's done a lot of DC stuff. (sighs) I mean, I I get, I I understand money. Actually, I don't Mm -hmm. understand money, but maybe you could tell me about (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's a dice-based game, like Mm -hmm. like 15 minute dice game with Batman. Uh, It's cooperative. So you're just like rolling dice, trying to get combos and defeat these enemies. Very quick, very accessible. It was like 20 bucks at Target, and Mm -hmm. so people are all about it for like the 10 minutes that it was out. Yeah. You know, it's. In the, it's a middling six.
1: It's a pasted-on theme where, like, yeah. yeah, they have a thing like that. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, because they had other things with Hero Dice. They did. Um, Batman the Animated Series dice game, same thing. This is taking the Steve Jackson series of, like, the dice games, like, yeah, Martian Dice. Martian Dice, Zombie Dice. You just roll things and try to get combinations
1: of things. So,
0: yeah,
1: dice are nice. I mean, yeah. That's about it, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and again, this is something you could play. This is something you
0: legitimately could play with family yes yeah yeah because it, it's a 10 minute game it's dice based It's very simple and it's cute artwork it's not like grimdark batman no. it's animated series batman anyone who plays as a press. you're lucky yeah uh talisman batman supervillain's <laughs> edition no <laughs> so you play as a supervillain and okay. you're trying to fend off batman is trying to stop you so i mean talisman i think i played this twice and it was. I'm terrible. so sorry. I hated. I'm so it. sorry. Yeah, you were like in the other room. I was like, yeah, I'll play Talisman. Oh like, no! Early in my gaming career, I was smarter than Anthony, and I was like, I'll say yes to everything. <laughs> Five hours in, and you guys had finished Suburbia and like, three sleep. other games.
1: <laughs> it was Suburbia with the expansion, yeah. which was very good, by the way. So uh, yeah,
0: no, yeah, you, you know,
1: there are certain things you just go, nope.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a cool theme, right? So you're, yeah, you're like sneaking through Arkham what Asylum. A, yeah. um, this is like. Bat, like DC fifty two era Batman. So like dark but not as dark. Sure. No, no. Very gray. Um it's Talisman though. It's Talisman. Uh Batman the Animated Series, Rogues Gallery, was another one from IDW. So they released three quick succession animated series games. Um this is like a quick push your luck uh type of game. Um so you're gonna be one of the villains attempting to take down Batman, but you have to I don't know, roll a bunch of dice first. (laughs) Suppress your luck game. Yeah. It's yet another one of those, but you're playing villains now. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, again, again, they went out and got, like, good designers to work on this. Sen Lim, who worked on Belfort, and Akritiri, and um, Junk Art, Mind Management. Yeah, it's great. So, and then just kind of this quick... Again, money. I I get it. I actually don't, but yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the animated series. Oh, yeah. Like... I, I didn't honestly, I didn't buy any of these, which
1: is fine. And this but. is also kind of sad, too, because IDW is gone now, right?
0: They stopped making game stuff, yeah. So we're
1: not going to see a lot of these kind of mass market IP, you know, family friendly games yeah. really much anymore.
0: Honestly, if you want most of the things we're talking about, you should just go get them because a lot of them are going to be out of printers. Yeah, so. this is a, what weight is 1.0? It's, it's a nothing <laughs> weight game, yeah. Yeah, this is definitely a you know, family side and then last but not least because it's the highest ranked Batman game it in the, the game geek database is Love Letter Batman. Of course it is. Yeah. Because when you think love letters, you think Batman. Yeah. So you are Batman. Of course you are. Trying to capture the Joker what is it? I mean
1: it's love look it's yeah. Love Letter. You're 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 <laughs> you're trying to be the last one standing at the end of the game. So you can knock out other characters u- utilizing the different cards, or at the end of the game, you could just have the highest number available, and, and that that wins. So, it's a very quick and easy game. If you've not played Love Letter, again, what you know, what, in what back cave have you been living right. in? Because Love Letter has been out there for quite some time, and I think we talked about Talisman again, right? Yeah. This is actually a good you know, pasted on kind of reskinning because it's actually a good game, it's highly ranked and Love Letter is a good quick game. Again, go buy yourself a Love Letter. There's there's endless numbers of versions of this and they're all relatively good. I don't think there's a bad version of this. It's just it's just the same game over and over again. Right. Yeah. All right, so that's all of our Batman games. Go out and enjoy the movie, sit back, enjoy, bring people to the table. Choose one of these many games out there. As we said earlier, they're all different weights. They're all different family styles, different cost points. I guarantee you're going to find something Batman-esque amongst this collection or rogue gallery of games out here. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll all save you a seat at the table. Take care, everybody.